to be honest, I don't really need a blood test to treat someone. I really don't. But it can be useful and I want the data personally now because my hormones are changing and, like I said, I can't go back and get that. I also want that data for my daughter because I want to be able to hand on that body wisdom that I know my mother craved from her mother and never got because she passed away when she was young. It's not just about me. It's about future generations and understanding my body so I can pass that wisdom on. You're listening to The Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's menstrual cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. You are tuning in to episode 216 of the Well Woman podcast. Today, I'm having an absolute fangirl moment. I am joined on the show by a woman I have been following in the women's health field for over a decade. Yes, you heard that right. And I am having total fangirl as I've just finished recording with the beautiful Nat Kringunis. And the reason why I reached out to Nat, and I was so surprised that she said, yes, she wants to be on the podcast. And thank you, Nat, for doing this. But Nat is a healthcare practitioner, an author, speaker, and an all-round natural fertility expert. She's the founder of Melbourne's Women's Health Clinic, the Patagonia Tree, creator of Yo Nuts, and the producer of Health Talks TV, as well as being a two times best-selling author. Nat is an absolute natural fertility gem, literally. She holds a bachelor's in health sciences, traditional Chinese medicine, and also an advanced diploma in acupuncture with close to two decades experience in women's health. So I had to ask Nat to be on the show and I was very surprised when she said yes in Instagram messages straight away. So Nat, again, thank you. In this episode, we are talking all about bloods. Yes, hormonal blood testing. We do touch on saliva and also urine testing, but should we get our bloods tested and how can we actually test our hormones? So in this episode, we are diving into the many missed variables around testing hormones and many other things like your thyroid, nutritional panel, and so much more, including when is the best time to test for your hormones in your menstrual cycle? Like, tell me what day I need to go get them tested, Gemma. We also talk about who's the best person to get support from to get testing done, is testing accurate, and how our pathology might be contributing to the different health test results we might be reading and or receiving. This is a really beautiful episode. And again, I'm so grateful that Nat said yes to joining us and diving deep into this because it is full of wisdom for you. Nat, welcome to the Well Woman podcast. Thank you for having me. Exciting. Yeah, it is. I'm very excited. I'm so grateful you rushed home from your hair appointment to be here. (laughs) (laughs) And I got to woof in some soup beforehand. So, you know, if if I start picking things out of my teeth, you know why. (laughs) (laughs) That's totally fine and acceptable. Um, We're going to be talking about a very interesting topic that I feel like is very uncertain for a lot of people and a lot of people can have a lot of frustration about, and that's like hormonal blood testing and all that goes around that for women and the menstrual cycle. But I'm sure a lot of people who know who you are listening to this podcast, which is amazing. But for those who don't, who are international, who don't know who Nat Kringun is from Australia is, who are you and what is it that you do? 
Oh, good question. Well, I don't think I never think anyone knows who I am first for first and foremost. So that's lovely. Um, I'm a women's health expert. I've been in the industry for nearly 20 years, 18, 19. I've lost count. Um, but my background is Chinese medicine and um I really just love to help women understand their hormones simply so that they can make good, solid, informed choices for the future. Because there's pretty much not a day that goes by that someone doesn't say to me, I wish I knew this earlier. Mm. And or I wish I had have actually dug deeper and got more clarity rather than just doing what everybody else is doing. Um, so, you know, it's it's I've seen a lot of things and I, I'm very privileged to have um, helped a lot of women. And I really do love to just have conversations that help make it make sense. I love that. And how did you decide that you were going to focus in on fertility and reproductive health? Because I feel like there's a really good story around this because TCM is such a broad, you know, very like version of health. I think one of the best versions of health. And how did you get into focusing on this? Well, it's an excellent question. I do remember really early on, I had a business partner when we first opened practice. And I remember saying to her, I never want to treat women's health. I can't think of anything worse than a clinic full of hormonal women. (laughs) Like that is not my idea of a good time. Um, And I really did have quite a strong, um, it was, I can remember where I was standing when I said it, I'm like, I'm not doing this. Like these, this is not for me. And it was interesting also Women's health and fertility specifically wasn't what it is now back then. Mm. Um was very different approach. For IVF was really only becoming something that m- people could just afford. Um, I sound really old. Um, <laughs> and, and I remember we were these really times. feeling our way. And and so, you know, I was having women coming to me complaining and that's not a very nice word, but they were complaining about their symptoms and me, I didn't really have an answer. But the thing was I'd seen the same patterns over and over and over again to the point where I just remember one day saying to a patient, look, I don't actually know, but if so many women are having the same challenges, I actually need to find out. Because in my training and I'd done, at this point in time, I I was in my third degree. It wasn't like I was fresh out of first year university or first degree. It was third time around the block. I'd studied health sciences. I had studied herbal medicine and I was studying acupuncture and I'd done the subjects. I'd done the bioscience. I'd done the the gynecology. I'd done, I'd done all of these things, not in the same detail that your gynecologist is going or your endocrinologist is going to, but enough of time spent in it to really think I should have some basic understanding of what was going on. And the short story is that I very quickly realized after asking for permission of these women to experiment, because that's what I was doing. I'm like, I'm going to have to practice, which is essentially what we're doing anyway, isn't it? We're practicing all the time. I asked for permission to experiment. I was like, look, I don't know. I want to find out. I want to help you. And so I started to become very curious. I started to do a lot of reading. I started to do a lot of experimenting. And what I discovered was that the symptoms that we were seeing were a direct result of our busy modern lifestyle, yet 
medicine and science hadn't caught up yet. We weren't talking about stress as we would now so freely and readily. Um, And women's hormones were suffering as a result of our stress hormones and our stress levels and stress not just being busy or overwhelmed, although, yes, that's part of it. Stress being our environment, being chemicals and toxins, being our homes, being, you know, overloaded lifestyles, food, sleep, all of these things. And so I started making really small adjustments with women's routines and regimes and we got outstanding results. And to be really honest, um, the clinic grew exponentially. We didn't have the infrastructure. I sure, sure as heck didn't have the infrastructure. Um, and it, it, it was a really wild time. <laughs> it was a really wild time. And what was really lovely was that I was also in very much ingrained in Chinese medicine at this point in time. And it wasn't really the done thing to do as a Chinese medicine practitioner to talk publicly about Chinese medicine. It was mm. still very much underground. It was almost like a disrespect to the industry if you were talking about it. It was kind of like an unwritten rule. I hate to say this, but also as a woman. Well, that too. Mm. And and so it was interesting because I started talking about it because I like to talk and I feel like there was a part of the industry that didn't like it because we were showing light on something that, had previously been very, very, um, I guess there's a lot of respect around it and that's that's great, but bringing it, I think, to the, the limelight only had a positive impact on the industry. So, you know, fast forward now and really privileged to support a lot of women in their health and their hormones and I can see that the gaps that were ex- that existed then still exist now when it comes mm. to women's health. Uh, and it really is up to us as individuals to get curious, keep asking questions and find our own way when it comes to our health, because there isn't one guiding light that is going to do that for you. Mm, I love all of this. And those times actually remind me about when Dr. Libby brought out her book, um, Rushing Women's Syndrome, because that was like, everyone's like, whoa, were women rushing? Mm-hmm. I think we're all rushing. It was yeah. like that, you know, yeah, we are doing that. And um, that was, I'm sure that was around a very similar time and you guys were both onto the, onto the points. And I'd been, you know, seeing Dr. Libby talk live well before that. And um, it kind of really brought into the fact that stress is not just, I'm so stressed, you know, so much more mm-hmm. can impact the cycle and the body more than just the stress that we think. So great insight. Thank you for sharing how you evolved. And I love that you're like, I'm not bloody doing this. This is not my no. thing. And now right. it's your thing. It's your thing. Um, so let's get into our topic and I want to ask you before we dive deeper, tell us what day of your cycle are you on today and how are you checking in? How are you feeling today? I'm day 15 today. I joked to, um, one of my business partners last week and I said to her, right, on day seven, you've got seven days. Let's go. What are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm good for seven days. That's not true, but I definitely know that there's a good window there where I'm on fire. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it it still flows out into the next week, but I know those seven days from the end of the period through to when I ovulate, I'm I'm really ready for anything. So, um, I think it's such an amazing realization when you get to tune in with your cycle, and I'm privileged and in full transparency, um, 
I am the um, Australian owner of Daisy, um, the fertility tracking device. So, you know, I have many ways of tracking my cycle, but <laughs> I think I'm really dialed into this more than ever, even though was, I've always done this because I'm now educating women in that space, I'm even more dialed into and even more passionate about helping women to connect with their cycle. Um, and, and, you know, even as recently as when I was writing my last book, which was four or five years ago, it's been a little while for various obvious reasons. Um, I remember sitting there on day 27, just good for nothing. Like I was like, I can't even get words out onto the page. And is this, I'm an author, this is terrible. You know, where's it gone? Is it ever going to come back? And of course, then the creativity comes flowing back. For me, usually cycle day one or two. Even then still, I still wasn't actually carving out time to watch my cycle to realize if you rest now Nat you're going to be on when it comes to day one or two but if you don't come day one or two sure you might feel a bit better but you're not going to perform as well as if you actually just take the time out now and it's nice but it's also like you know you get to a point where I'm in my my later menstruating years now and I wish I hadn't known this earlier and really placed emphasis on it because my 20s and 30s could have looked a lot different if I mm. had of. So we keep learning. It's not like I'm sitting here having all the answers. I definitely don't have all the answers. We keep evolving. We keep learning. And, of course, body wisdom and hindsight is an amazing thing. But if I can inspire women to check in now, even though they feel like they might not need to, then that's a big win as far as I'm concerned. I, I agree definitely a big win because we're so disconnected anyway with so many of our life practices, which I love. So disconnected. Thank you for checking in with us, letting us know where you're at. So this is, we're we're getting the tail end of the inspo time. Well, technically you really should, it should be like, you know, I probably feel like I, I don't have terrible symptoms, by the way. I just know that ask me something on day 28 and my creativity is in the toilet. Don't ask me to do much on that day. I did a podcast on Cycle Day 28, not long ago, and it's just been aired and I couldn't find words. I was literally <laughs> like, I got, uh, I finished it. I'm like, wow, that was so hard. Podcasting is not hard. That was hard. That was hard. So yeah. you're going to get the best of me in that Great. respect. Yes. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why I asked that question at the start of a, a very episode, because it gives the listeners an idea of where the, where the guest is. And yeah. everyone's like, oh, I want to have that much energy. It's like, well, you probably do on day 15, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk about blood testing. Um, I know that a lot of women that I see um, as a menstrual cycle educator and coach are like, when do I get my bloods tested? And when's the best time? And is that actually really helpful? But then they also get the flip side of that after they've had their bloods tested. They get, oh, well, there's nothing wrong with you, even though you've got chronic PMS or heavy menstruation, you know, extreme menstrual pain, bloating, migraines, headache, you know, you know, all the things, all the cycle signs. And they're just told that, oh, but you fall in a regular category. So let's talk about blood testing. Is blood testing actually really beneficial for knowing your body, knowing your health and cycle awareness? I mean, you're going to get different opinions on what's the best testing, I think, to start with. And I am always guided by a patient's signs and symptoms as a first place to start. But I do love being able to have something to 
check in with and refer back to. And it doesn't matter for me, and you're going, like I said, you're going to get different opinions on this. It doesn't matter for me whether it's blood, saliva, or urine. Yes, some are more accurate. But if somebody's experiencing PMS, let's say, and I can see that a blood test is enough for me to actually just confirm what I'm already thinking, I'd actually rather them save their money and not do a Dutch test, which is a, a urine test that's going to be $300 plus. Mm. And, and let's just check in because I can probably figure out what's happening. So I really don't mind the humble blood test um, as a first point of call. It's easy. It offers a measurement that is a snapshot of a window in time and it can be influenced by many things in the next minute. So it is a snapshot of a window in time, but it is useful and especially, again, as I am getting older, I can't go back and get that data if I haven't if I haven't captured it. Mm. I can't go back and find out where my estrogen was at at 32. So I think from that respect, it's useful just to have as a reference and it's useful to monitor over many years. And I really, I start with that because it's accessible. I can generally get doctors to run sometimes the tests and um, we can talk about why that might be, but there are a lot of variables that I think get missed. Mm. And so I, what I say to patients is, how can I get you to create the least amount of variation between tests if we're monitoring something? So that would look like the time of the cycle, obviously, that you test. And really, it's pretty useless if you're just doing it at any time. Unless you don't have a menstrual cycle, then you get to do it at any time because you don't have a cycle. Um, but if you do have a cycle, it's really useful. You're either going to test on day two, but ideally you're going to test on set. Well, you're ideally going to test seven days after ovulation. Now, the challenge is not everybody knows when they ovulate, which is why we're recommended to test on cycle day 21. But if you know when you ovulate, I mean, my last blood test I did on day 23 because I knew I ovulated on day 16. So I was like, and I also missed um, getting it done on time. And I was like, I'll be fine. This will be fine on day 23. It'll still capture what I need, knowing I also don't have a short cycle. So it's about guiding the patient also to do it at the best time. So you want to do it on the right time of the cycle. You also want to do it try and do it at the same time of the day with the same pathology lab. That's going to create less variables. Again, it's not like there's not 100% accuracy with any test or anything that you do. It's just a guide. Mm. Add that to signs and symptoms. It can be very useful. It can still tell us a lot of things. And our other tests can't necessarily test thyroid. The only way we can test thyroid is with a blood test. So we need to be doing a blood test when it comes to certain hormones anyway or certain functions or vitamins and minerals and, and depending on what you're testing. Um, but as I've dived more into my career, to be honest, I don't really need a blood test to treat someone. I really don't. But it can be useful and I want the data personally now because my hormones are changing and, like I said, I can't go back and get that. I also want that data for my daughter because I want to be able to hand on that body wisdom that I know my mother craved from her mother and never got because she passed away when she was young. So I want to have, it's not just about me, 
It's about future generations and understanding my body so I can pass that wisdom on. And I think that's where testing, we get this advantage of testing, but at the same time, your signs and symptoms, they're never wrong. Mm, the messages are never never there by accident. <laughs> they're not. And if and the, the, the biggest disservice, I think, uh, that for women is that they are told that their symptoms are often either part of being a woman or that it's probably in your head. Yeah, they're common or you're making it up. Right. Mm, definitely. And, I, and something that I love about traditional Chinese medicine is that, you know, testing whether it's saliva, urine or blood is just one way to look at the signs the body's giving you. And TCM does such, it's like seeing an Ayurvedic doctor. Like my do, um, Ayurvedic doctor is a sixth generation Ayurvedic wow. doctor. And literally he just puts one finger on my pulse and he says like, what were you doing back in blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, <laughs> hang on, are you clairvoyant or are you actually, is this real? That's so funny. That is so funny. But, but TCM I mean, has that too, right? Where you get to well, tune in and. I think we get taught to really tune in. We also get taught to really listen to the the patient and to the body because even if the patient can't tell us the body will yep so um it, it i think that's where chinese medicine really excels is it allows us to have superior diagnosis um and i will always say this i can always diagnose someone the treatment maybe i might not always nail but i can Nine and a half times more out of 10, I can diagnose someone pretty easily. Um, so I think, and I think that's part of the challenge. However, the diagnosis is only really a label. And I don't think that that's not where it ends. Mm. And so many people crave the, the, I just want to know what this is. It's like, it doesn't change anything though. It doesn't change how you feel. It doesn't change anything. It just, it, it just gives you something to attach to and, I don't know that that's always the best thing either. So, yeah, I do think that it is superior in its ability to diagnose and look at the body. And I think that actually um, Western medicine can learn a lot from the investigation that some of these other modalities offer. And I think some of those other modalities offer very different communication styles within their, you know, their practices, as opposed to the Western modality communication styles. And I think they can learn a lot from that too. Um, I love what you were saying about passing on the information to your daughter and knowing yourself out of interest. How often do you go and get your blood work done? More recently, I have done more testing than I've ever done. Um, I have... Um, since being sick in 2021, um, my body has done some wild things. Um, so it's been interesting to watch and I, I still can't work out whether it's just the timing of, you know, having a virus and then being at a point where my hormones were changing or whether it's just a result of being sick already, or I can't work out. I still can't work that out. So, but things have definitely changed and they've done some weird things. So I have actually done more testing in the last four years than I've ever done. Wow. And it's been interesting to observe. Um, I think one of the other things that I like about testing is, you know, your body's like, lay it's layers. It's like an onion. So you kind of just fix Stretch. one thing and then it's like, oh, and now your testosterone's a bit wonky, but we couldn't tell that until we fixed your estrogen. Um, 
so that's been interesting to observe as well. Uh, I would hope that no one needs to do as much testing as I've done in the last um, few years. But, I mean, again, I've got the, the ability to go and do a test. So there's that really? as well. Where do yep. I, you know. Um, but it has been really interesting to to watch the impact. And I think there's a lot of people that are in a similar position that are being told, again, that it's in their head. I mean, I still can't smell. I haven't been out of smell for two and a half years. And that's, or two years, or however long it's been. That's odd. You know, that's odd in itself. That tells you that something's not quite right. So, yeah, I have, I've done a lot of testing and and seen some wonky things show up and we're trying to work on those. And, I mean, fundamentally, can I tell you, it still all comes back to the state of the internal landscape of the microbiome and the gut and whatever else is happening there. It's just fascinates me that we're still here going, I don't know where to start. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I do. I, I really hear you. Thank you for sharing. Um, and I love that you've been so investigative with your health because that inspires others who have accepted maybe one of their imbalances or a virus or something that's niggling at them. They're like, oh, well, this is just what it's supposed to be like. And I feel that, you know, the suppression of the menstrual cycle for like hundreds of years and then the impact of media, movies, marketing, saying that, oh, well, you can wear a tampon and wear your beautiful white clothes and go horse riding whilst you're menstruating, like on the the old school tampon ads. Yeah. You know, I think that we've really come a long way that it's inspiring for others to hear that actually I don't have to accept this and I can be inquisitive and really investigate. So I'm proud of you for investigating Thanks. and just following the journey. Um, for me, I personally um, was diagnosed with PCOS back in 2014 after coming off the hormonal contraception of the pill after 12 years. And so I just decided I'd go every six months just to get my blood work done, to see my progressive changes. And then when I had an unplanned pregnancy resulting in um, a termination in 2020, I did the same thing and it found it so fascinating to watch the rhythm of my body changing, particularly in my thirties, which is my most fertile years. Um, and blood tests are a great way to look back on that. So I love having that data. Today's episode is brought to you by my signature membership program, the Well Women Academy. Would you love to discover your own menstrual cycle, live with natural fertility and contraception, understand ovulation, master menstruation, and live cyclically? Well, I've got an answer for all of your questions. The Menstrual Cycle Membership is here. The Well Women Academy is a monthly membership where together we study things like the cycle, cycle tracking, cycle rituals, natural contraception, the feminine, eating and moving through your cycle, and lots more. Yep, it's the number one place to discover how to end your cycle signs, live in tune with your cycle for good. For less than $2 a day each month, you'll access over 180 live self-paced educational classes and cyclical specific learning modules across a wide range of formats like written, audio, video, and a guided home study. Not to mention every membership gives back with a menstrual cup to menstruators in need. Thanks to our commitment with the COVA project. Join me and women from all over the world inside our private Facebook community and online learning portal. As together, we awaken our cycles, reconnect with our bodies, and you become guided to live more cyclically. Use the code word podcast to receive 50% off your first month. To learn more and join us, head to wellsome.com forward slash academy. Um, for everyone else who's just looking to keep an eye on like regular health, how often would you recommend this? Every six months, once a year? 
I mean, if it depends on the person. It's such an individual thing. If mm. there was absolutely no need for me to test my hormones before that, really, I didn't have any reason to. I had very healthy cycles. They were very regular. They weren't heavy. I really wasn't that moody before. Like they were pretty boring. I don't really need to test that as far as I'm concerned. I like my blood inside my body, not out of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so I didn't really bother. I mean, I, I did normal testing during pregnancy. I might have tested once other than that, just to check where things were. Um, but some people like to have the data. Mm, the and, knowing, which you correct. said before, the label. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't need it because I could tell everything was fine. Um, and there's no family history of any reason, no PCOS, no thyroid, um, nothing really that we needed to to watch or monitor. If my mum, although now now I know differently, but if I if my mother had have had a known autoimmune or fertility issue or gynecological issue, I would have absolutely been monitoring and watching but there was no history to even mm. there either. So, you know, I I didn't need to. Yeah, cool. I didn't need to. Mm. Great. Thanks for sharing. And um, speaking about getting your bloods done, regardless of how you get them done, whether it's blood, urine, or just getting your, your things tested, is I feel that in Australia we have such a beautiful opportunity of going to a doctor and getting blood work done that way. And I know with working with clients, particularly in Europe and the UK and in America or North America, it's very challenging for people in these areas to just get some blood work done of their hormones or find out what their nutritional profile is. So what is your recommendation for people who are looking at discovering something else that could be going on and doing that through some kind of, you know, testing, who's the best person to see? Like who's the best practitioner? Because when people think of acupuncture, if they've never had, they've never been a pincushion before, they think, how are they going to know what my blood is doing? They just stick needles in you, right? right. <laughs> so, well, I mean, who's the I've, best? yeah, I, I mean, I've gone on to do further education to allow me to read tests and understand them and interpret them. And I think this is actually where the issues lie is that most people don't know how to interpret a test. Mm. they'll be reading a report that's been provided by the testing laboratory. Your doctor is reading a report unless they know how to read the test. They're reading the report, which is why so many women are refused a test in the first place because it's like me. If you came to me and you said, Nat, I have an inkling that I could you please test some inflammatory markers because I think I've got cancer, I would say I can test them but I don't know what to do with them because it's not my area of expertise. So to that point, it may not be your doctor's area of expertise. Therefore, they may not want to run the tests because they can't help you any further. It's not, it's not for them. Mm. I think also a lot of women are relying on their doctors to give them results when they probably should be seeing someone in a specialist area, their gynecologist, their endocrinologist, or whoever it might be. I still think all of those modalities are disconnected. I still think there's no, there's nothing that weaves them all together because your body doesn't work as individual units, even though it's broken down into a respiratory system and a digestive system and a nervous system and an endocrine system and a, you know, 
though none of those things work independently. The heart's not out here pumping on its own. Um, you know, your, your uterus isn't independent of everything else. It, it all works together. So the fact that each modality is separate with no nothing to weave them together is mind-blowing to me. Um, but what I would say is you want someone to read your tests that has had the privilege of reading many, many tests to be able to see exactly the patterns that are there. They're not hard to find. And also if you're getting your, if your doctor, let's say, is just reading the pathology report, you need to understand that the pathology lab are the ones creating the report and the pathology lab are the ones creating the reference ranges for your results. Now, if you think about that, let's say thyroid, you're going to get your thyroid tested because you've got symptoms that maybe there's something wrong with your thyroid. The majority of people getting their thyroid tested are doing it because they think there's a problem. So if you look at the the, um, range of people that the pathology lab is basing the test reference ranges on, it's based on sick people, Mm. right? Great point. If you know how to read a blood test, it doesn't matter what the reference ranges are. It's irrelevant. You want to know what the optimal numbers need to be for someone to feel optimal. And some people might feel okay at a higher level and others might feel okay at a lower level, but the reality is you never want to just be normal. You want to be optimal within a range without symptoms. Mm. So there's so many variables between the pathology lab, the reference ranges, the report, the doctor reading it, the doctor reading a report or knowing where those ranges are. And also the changes in reference ranges over time. If you're not up to speed with any of that, you're going to be told you're fine when you may not feel fine. And it might not be diabolic, but really you're going to live the next 40 years not feeling fine. Like it's not good enough as far as I'm concerned. It's just not good enough. I agree. So we do. We need to um, get somebody to read them that knows how to read them in a way that's not just about looking for danger. It's actually about optimal health. Once you're out of that, oh, there's nothing diabolically wrong here. Okay. That's a relief, but I still feel like crap. So now what do I do? Mm. And that is a great segue to like, who would you recommend? Like what kind of practitioner? Cause I feel that a lot of people get confused as to who to see when they're like, well, there's so many options. Do I see my Chinese, you know, herbalist? Do I go and see a nutritional doctor? Do I see my dietitian? Um, there's so many options, which is fantastic for the holistic health, you know, world, but for people who don't know the differences between everybody, who would you recommend, or can you describe why you would suggest different people to help you reach that optimal as opposed Mm. to just accepting that, oh, well, you're in the range. So your magnesium's fine. Right. Well, I mean, I think if you can find somebody who is, um, invested in integrative medicine, that's going to be a great place to start or functional medicine, Um, whether that's your doctor or your naturopath or your women's health expert or your nutritionist, whoever that might be. First and foremost, you need to be comfortable with the person. Otherwise, nothing makes sense. So that's the first thing. How do you decide, well, who am I comfortable with reading this? Secondly, I want someone to read it that's seen a lot of them, not someone that's just, I mean, it's fine if you're just starting out, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. We have to learn. But where have you learned from? Who's showed you how to do this? But my, m- there are a lot of people 
who are claiming to be experts that have never laid hands on a patient, that we are observing, especially online, and yes, they're academics, and yes, they're very smart, and yes, they can read a, a, a um, research paper like there's no tomorrow. But if they've never laid hands on somebody or they haven't sat with somebody in their face-to-face encounters, I think that's really what counts most. So I want somebody who's actually sat with countless women, who's listened to their stories, who's had great results. How do you find those people? I think you actually find those people by asking others and and word of mouth. mouth. Yeah, I really do. Um, Not just because they've got a shiny, beautiful website that looks great and they look like they have the answers. It's like, ask people, who do I, who do I go to? Um, it's not really a great answer because it's not really helping, but at the same time, I mean, hopefully it's motivating and also encouraging women to have more conversations about their health in general. Yeah. It does make sense. And it all is very helpful because I feel that a lot of people feel that the only avenue is seeing a doctor and I'm I'm great, a Western practicing doctor. And there's nothing wrong with doctors. I think, you know, they definitely serve a purpose in so many ways. But if you're looking for a specific type of support, you need to look for, like you said, the person who's going to be able to provide that specific type of support to you and that you can trust and, you know, in embrace in the fact that you can take on what they're, you know, guiding and supporting you with. So, yeah, that's a really fantastic, um, like, fantastic tip. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to testing around the menstrual cycle. You said testing seven days after ovulation. And obviously, unless they're using the daisy tracker, they might not know where the ovulation time is. So is that really the most optimal for all cases of of all types of imbalances to do or challenges with the menstrual cycle? Well, you can only really capture progesterone if you've ovulated. So there's no real point in, if you want a full picture, you can't test on day four and capture progesterone because you haven't made any yet um, because that is a result of ovulation. So you need to have ovulated for the corpus luteum, which is the site where the um, follicle comes away from the ovary. That becomes its own little gland that makes hormones, which is just awesome. Um, It's its own little organ. And that's when we make progesterone as a result of that or it makes progesterone and then you can capture it after. That's why we say seven days so that we can see where your levels are at for where they should be after ovulation. Um, Depending on the patient too, if I'm testing a patient for PCOS, I might be fine with just cycle day two that's going to give me their FSH and their LH and I can actually start to look at um, what those parameters look look like. Sometimes patients, for whatever reason, can't test on cycle day 21. So something is going to be better than nothing. And again, I could probably take your test result at any time and figure it out. Mm. But if you, but again, if you want to actually the full picture, you definitely want to be doing it in the later part of the cycle. Yeah. What really makes me angry is a lot of women are told it's no point testing hormones because they change every day. <laughs> it's like, yeah, duh. <laughs> Yep. That's how we differ. <laughs> That's you. how we test them. That's why we test them on different days. That was just madness. Um, and I can't tell you the number of times patients have come in all excited with their test results and they've gotten nothing of which what we asked for. Like The other thing that's important to understand is the pathology lab actually does decide which tests get done if you're doing it under Medicare. So if, say, thyroid 
if they look and they see that your TSH is fine, they might not test further thyroid hormones because they've decided it's it's a cost on the industry. So let's save those costs where it, where you're not even getting an accurate um, then indication of what your thyroid's doing. So, you know, there's that as well. So often tests aren't done in the way that they're requested and that's not even necessarily your doctor's fault. That's the pathology lab that's decided that. So it is important. This is where I think independent testing can be really important and that's what I just did with my last lot of tests because I I decided that I should just run them and not have to sit there and hope that they will run thyroid for me. Like, let's just get it done. So you can go to certain health providers and pay to get your testing done. And that's something that I would recommend if you're A, not getting the tests that you need, or B, you don't really want to go through the rigmarole of that and you can get you can get the independent testing done. Mm, especially for those who have cycle challenges of some kind or symptoms, as opposed to someone who's like, I've got a really regular healthy cycle. Yeah. Do I need to pay $500 for those tests? That's right. And um, I think independent tests are becoming much more available in Australia too, which mm. is really fantastic to see because I know that in America they've been available for a long time. So I'm like, yes, we're finally catching up. You know, it's like fashion. We're always a season or, or so behind, um, which is fantastic. And so I think, you know, my next, another question I was going to ask was, should we be taking what doctors in inverted brackets tell us about our blood tests uh, with a grain of salt. And I think the answer to that is yes, because you said it's not always them. It's also got to do with the pathology and what they're doing with the tests, right? Yeah, I don't think, I mean, we get frustrated with our GP. I think we put a lot of pressure on our GPs. I think that they really are a first point of call and can be fant- absolutely fantastic um, in terms of, you know, acute scenarios where we need solutions um when it comes to hormones it might be more suited to your gynecologist or your endocrinologist or your women's hormone expert whoever that might be whatever your preference is really um i don't know that your doctor is the best person to read your hormone results unless they specialize in women's health and hormones Mm, yeah which is great Thank you. This has been such a great conversation. Um, So just to recap, if someone was getting regular blood tests or they were inquiring about blood tests, what are like the the main ones that you encourage people to get done? Yeah. So, I mean, you always want to get a full hormone panel, which includes your, you know, your estrogen, your progesterone or your estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, Um, FSH and LH are also really important. Um, I also want patients to capture, if they can, their um, cortisol, if it's depending on if the the doctor will run it, Um, thyroid, full thyroid if you can, uh, antibodies for thyroid because if you're going to do that, you might as well test the for antibodies. Um, And then I often get vitamin D and iron also done as well and insulin Again, so that's a big lot of, no wonder people are like, we're not doing all of those things. <laughs> um, but all of those things are really important because even though, you know, you look and you go, well, hang on that, what's insulin got to do with my hormones? Well, a lot actually. So it's no point coming back and going, oh, your testosterone's high, but we forgot to test insulin. That's useless now at this point for us. Um, we really want to see what the the bigger picture is. So yeah, I, I think they're everything that I would want just to sort of monitor over time and you definitely 
want to get your FSH tested as you age because that's what rises as we get closer to menopause. And I think that's something that a lot of women don't realize if they were to watch over a period of time, they could actually at least, there's things you can do to slow the process down. It's not a slippery slope. It doesn't have to be a slippery slope. It can be a very gentle decline. Mm. In fact, it's supposed to be a gentle decline. It's cortisol that messes everything up. So that's why we want the the full picture of all of the various um, tests or the tests enough at least to be able to look at that and have that to refer back to as well. Mm, I love that. Thank you. It's kind of like taking your shopping list to the grocery store and be like, I just need this, 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 and this. <laughs> well, um, I mean, the other thing too is ask your doctor. Just say, you know, depending on where you are, if you go to your doctor and you say, I just want my hormones tested and it's for no reason, they're probably going to say, yeah, well, we're not going to do that because that's just silly. If you've got symptoms, it makes sense. Um, and, of course, they want to help you. So I would be saying... I know when I go, sometimes I say, could you just test my thyroid? And they'll say, well, why? And I'll say, well, because last time I tested, I had slightly elevated antibodies. I'd be keen to see if they've come down. And then I'll say, is there anything else that you think I should get tested? And then they're being helpful. So then they're like, okay, yeah, sure. Let's do iron and vitamin D. And so, you know, each time I've been to the GP, they've actually said, I wouldn't mind running cholesterol. Knock yourself out. Do the cholesterol. No problem. Just so long as can you do the others at the same time? Yeah, while you're there. <laughs> Take them all off. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Nat, this has been fantastic and I'm so grateful for your your time. Um, anything else that you want to share before I ask you how our listeners can connect with you? No, I think it's just about being curious. Like don't feel pressure that you have to run out and get tests. Be curious as to what your symptoms are actually telling you. Try and track it over your cycle. See what it lines up with rather than panicking because so often there's a reason, well, there's always a reason, but so often it can be explained based on where you are in your cycle. So I think that's really, really important. We know when, you know, if certain things are happening in the first part of the cycle, there are different hormones at play to the second part of the cycle. So we could treat it without a blood test pretty easily just by looking at where you are and where Mm. you're experiencing symptoms. So look at the cycle, get curious, please track your cycle if you're not already because monitoring anything is so useful. Monitoring It wasn't until I started to actually really pay attention to my numbers when it came to sleep and heart rate and all these things that I'm like, this is a game changer, you know, and I guess prior to that I was kind of knew it was important, but it wasn't until I started tracking it that I actually started to place a huge emphasis on sleep and a huge emphasis on just moving my body because I could see my scores were very different when I did that. So just track things, track mm. and track again, mm. and keep tracking. <laughs> it's amazing what a little a little habit can do every day. Right? Yeah, yeah. Mm, I Absolutely. love that. I love that. So how can our listeners connect with you and learn more about what you do? Where's the best place you hang out? Easy. Um, everything's Nat Kringudis. So natkringudis.com or Nat Kringudis on socials. Uh, I love hanging out there. Um, the other thing that we have is a membership offering and we just did a masterclass on how to read your blood tests. So you can access pretty much anything through my um, website or m- the link in my profile on Instagram. Um, but that, yeah, there's so many resources in the, in the membership. There's so many masterclasses in the membership. There's a whole year's worth of masterclasses there now. And I think it's such a great tool for me to be able to send people to, to, 
get some clues. But not only that, all the masterclasses help you to profile your symptoms to categorize what sort of um, what sort of person that you are, what sort of presentation you are, and then treatment according to your presentation, which is, you know, that's the next best thing to our one-on-one consultation. Mm, I love that. Well, I'm going to make sure I put all of those links in our show awesome. notes. So thank you. Final podcast question. I'm so excited to hear what you answer the, you know, to this because we ask every guest. I want you to think back, Nat, to your younger menstruating self when you forgot your period for the first time. What are three things you wish you had have known then that you now know today? Well, firstly, it was it didn't look it didn't look like what I thought it was going to look like, and I thought I'd pooped myself. So, you know, knowing that it's not going to look normal, I think, is really important. Um, it was such a mystery, and it felt like it was going to be this mystical thing that happened. I, I wish that I had have had more conversations in the lead up and that wasn't my mother's fault, but it's definitely something that I have done with my children is enroll them in conversation all the time around their bodies. It's no different to blowing your nose or going to the toilet. Menstruating is just another thing that you do. So um, I wish that there was more conversation around that. Um, And I, I also wish I didn't hide it because there's nothing to hide. It's like, imagine if the days that I didn't feel that great, I was connected enough to my cycle to be true to myself. And maybe that just comes from having somebody that paves the way for me. So maybe I can do that for my daughter and show her that it's okay to go gently on the days that you need to go gently on. I don't think you need to do that. I think you're already doing that, yeah, which well. is really, really good. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here and being such a crusader and um, an amazing you know, forefront leader in the women's health. Um, It's fantastic to chat with you and have you on the show. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into every episode of the Well Woman podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly so you never miss a weekly drop. I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. Love this episode? Come and follow me over on Instagram at wellsom underscore Gemily. Say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. Now, is there a bestie, sister, or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated, and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to them. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our cycles. Now, until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.